One year ago, I was on a plane on this day, on a plane flying back from um, Sacramento, California, and uh, tears were in my eyes. Joy comes in the morning. <laughs> it's, it's Mother's Day weekend, so I got appointed to introduce our guest speaker for the evening. I am the poster child for, or the poster mother, let's say, for those who wait upon the Lord will not grow weary. And um, this evening is 38 years in the making. We've waited a long time. Um, when our second child was born, we were living in a little bitty community, pastoring a church of about 50 people out in the country in Mississippi. And I'd had no problems with my first child, so I, I just chose to have a general physician, my GP, because it was a tiny little hospital, 35 beds. He was my doctor, and so I, I went into labor. Alan was in seminary driving three hours back and forth. He would come home on the weekends, and I would be the church whatever for the week, during the week. Well, on that, he decided, I was two, week, two weeks overdue. That was a little bit of a clue. Two weeks overdue, and he decides to stay the night and go at five o'clock the next morning to get to school instead of driving in on Monday night. And I went into labor on that Monday night. And, and I labored all night long. And at the change of the shift in the morning at 6.30, the nurse um, detected that Anthony's cord was coming prolapse. So that meant if he came through the birth canal, he, would have, he was going to die. So fortunately, I had done natural childbirth of my first child and had done it also with Anthony. And so when the doctor told me, well, actually, I never saw a doctor. When the nurse told me, do not push, I knew exactly what to do because that instinct just kicked in. So the anesthesiologist that lived in our little town didn't answer her phone, so the police had to go wake her up, and the two surgeons that were in that little town showed up 30 or 45 minutes later. That entire time, I am doing what I know to do so that my child would not be born. So, as you can imagine, it was a, an emergency. They whisked me in, and the only thing I really remember was when they told me that I had had a son. I started crying, and they asked me, are you hurting? I said, no, I was, I was happy. I was happy because our first child had been a girl, and we were excited to have a little boy. So the um, recovery from that was pretty much an ordeal. And when Anthony was about a week, he began to get sick, and we didn't know what to do. One doctor would tell me to do one thing, the other doctor would tell me to do something else. And I'll never forget that old surgeon who had grown up in our little country church made a visit to us on Saturday morning and Anthony was on, on me all night long and he was shriveled up to almost nothing. And he said, you have got to get him 30 miles away to the larger hospital. So we whisked Anthony away, and again, he almost died. 
never did really know what was wrong with him. They did a spinal tap. It was, it was a traumatic time in our life, and I'm still recovering from major surgery. But as you know, Anthony lived. Well, I hung on to that experience because I've always known that God has a plan for my son. So sometimes we mothers, we, we don't see the fruit of what we know is. And we don't do it perfectly. There are times when we, we struggle and we have issues. But God is good. He is faithful. He follows us with his love. And I would love to introduce you to Anthony Reed Hawkins, our son. So as I was worshiping, the, the picture that the Lord gave me was of the, of the uh, volcano on the big island. And, you know, that thing has been laying dormant for many, many years. And I saw a picture of your life, Anthony, and how that fire of God has always been there, but it's been dormant for a long, long time. But God is moving you into a season now where that lava, that, that fire of God is be- beginning to burst through the surface and it cannot be stopped by anything human. And God will use you in a mighty way. I bless you tonight to speak the words of God through the unction of the Holy Spirit and to let the fire of God come through your very veins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So when I, when I saw uh, John Arnett when he was here, I love John Arnett's uh, sermon, but I saw Papa Jack give him this great introduction, and I was like, man, if I ever preach, I better get a good introduction. <laughs> He can have Papa Jack, I'll take Mama Gail. <laughs> uh, how are you guys doing? This is my Jesus bag right here. There's a whole lot of Jesus in here. And I don't really go anywhere without it. I'm not going to use most of it. It's just a crutch. But, oh, Isaiah Buckner, Johnny Buckner's son, Isaiah, he had himself a bag like this and it got stolen. And he was so bummed. And I was like, man... It'd be awesome if someone stole my Jesus bag. You'd get some Oakleys, which I really like today, but you'd, you'd, get, you'd find Jesus hopefully way faster than I did. Just read through this bag and you're in good shape. <laughs> Hold on. I, I promised Colleen I would do this. I'm going to Snapchat. You guys know about Snapchat? I totally am. It's not going to work, is it? There we go. All these people are staring at me. And they gave me a microphone. This is going to be fun. All right. I made all of you famous. So you guys are all so famous now. I better turn this off before I get all kinds of weird calls. All right. So today, I'm here to talk to you guys. And the title of the sermon today is Just Say Yes. 
Well, actually, wait, are you guys, are you guys excited to be here today? Yeah? Tomorrow's Mother's Day. And you guys love your mothers? Yes. Do you guys love my mother? Okay. So I feel like you guys are getting the gist. I got three yeses out of you, out of you already. So we're on our way. We're doing good. Just say yes today. Uh, as you know, um, a year ago, well, it's been a year today, a year on Thursday, or Tuesday, uh, I've been sober and off of alcohol and uh, over my addiction. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. And, uh, man, I used to live, I used to live a life of no. I used to live a life of I can't, I won't. Uh, you wouldn't know that from talking to me, um, because I was a pretty positive, pretty fun guy. But uh, one thing I'll let you know is that saying yes to yourself all the time is the same as saying no to God. And I was the ultimate yes to myself. I lived in excess of whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. And I didn't really feel like this was really hurting anyone, but um, what I was doing, it was, I was just saying no to God. And I realized there, there are consequences to saying no. Um, the first consequence that I discovered to saying no, that, I, that I've learned now, is that when you say no, you're limiting yourself, okay? You are saying, you are, you, are, you know, you, when you're little, you have these dreams that you can do anything. Say no enough times and you won't have dreams of doing anything anymore. Say no enough times and, and you'll destroy your influence. My friends and I, we like to talk a lot. We like to talk about, you know, when you throw a, pond, a rock in a pond and you've got the ripple effect. You know, and, and you watch the ripples and all these throwaway moments that we do. And, and uh, what we don't realize is that everything you do has some impact on somebody. Everything, everything you do has, means something to somebody. The other day I was at a Lobo game and I was cheering and I got my whole section to continue singing a song long after the band had stopped. And I got everyone to stand up and we were having a good time. And one guy, one section over is raising money for Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And he sees me from across the way doing this and he goes, oh man, Hawk's back in town? I need that guy. So I need that guy on my team. And it was a throwaway moment. Remember dad, you were there. It was just, I was just having a good time, but it had an effect. If you say no all the time, no, I can't. No, I'm not going to do that. You don't have that effect. There's no ripple from that. I'm not gonna follow you. Nobody wants to follow a no guy. If I'm at work, I work with a gentleman who just can't seem to figure out how to say yes to anything and is always saying no, and I cannot stand working with him because everything is too hard for him. And then the bosses ask me, they say, can you do that? And I'm like, sure, yeah, I can do that. Doesn't mean I always can, but they know that I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> two weeks ago, my job came to me and said, the corporate came down and said, we're gonna, we had to lay two people off and you're the new guy. And they said, we can't lay you off. We're going to promote you. And I got, a different, I got put in a different part of my job. And, they, and they, said, they said, you're the guy that always says yes. They said, we can't. But see, you say no enough times, and it ends up destroying your identity. 
not just your influence, but it is who you are. See, I remember I used to say no so much that I thought of myself as a failure. (laughs) I remember I was in a job that I couldn't do anything else. It was all I knew how to do because I wouldn't say yes to a new opportunity. I was in a life that I couldn't escape because I just, because no was all I knew. I couldn't advance because there was no yes in me. It was just, no, I can't do that. No, I don't want to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not good at that. No, I'm not good at that. Pretty soon I said enough no's where I had to, I had that identity over myself is that I was a failure. And the only way I could learn to deal with this failure was to turn to my addiction. Mine was alcohol. Um, there's plenty of addictions out there. There's plenty. You can be addicted to food. You can be addicted to the gym. I, sometimes I have to cut myself off because I'm going to the gym too much because I'm like, dude, this, you're mad because you missed a day. <laughs> but I couldn't accept the fact that my life was all about no. And so I turned to the bottle and I turned to the bottle in such a way that it, it destroyed everything, my identity, my influence. It limited myself, all these things that no does to you. And uh, the, the breaking point for me, was, uh, I was working at a job that I was, that I was way overqualified for. Um, and I got fired. And I got fired by a friend of mine that I had had for 15 years. And uh, he was like, Anthony, you're a mess. And my, my identity had gotten so bad that my, my alcoholism had gotten so bad. And then my alcoholism got so bad I couldn't even hold a menial job. I read Matthew, and I love John the Baptist, or J the B, as the kids say. <laughs> Matthew 3, 8. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. I say to you, let's see, where, yeah. every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He says the ax is already laid to the root. Say no enough times and you won't have any fruit. Say no enough times and you will get thrown into the fire. You're irrelevant. You don't matter. People will still love you. I'll still love you. But I'm not asking you to get on board with what I'm doing. If you, if you, if you don't say yes, if you keep saying no. John says very clearly. And Jesus comes two chapters later and says the same thing. Say no enough times, you won't have any fruit. So a year ago, my parents came to me. And they said, I said, listen, uh, you don't have many choices left. You have to get cleaned up. And they said, we found a program for you in Oroville, California. The Father's House Church. I didn't know anything about it. They said, it's a year-long program. And uh, they said, this is, this is your chance to get your life turned around. So I said yes. So yet, it was a hard yes. I didn't know how hard it was. Sometimes you have to just say yes and then do it. Sometimes if you don't mean yes, just say yes and then do it. Your, your rear end will end up following your mouth sooner or later. If you just keep saying yes, you, 
<laughs> but, but this time I said yes, and I went. And they sent me to Oroville, California. I'll tell you what, uh, the first yes, the first yes is probably always the hardest. If you can get one yes out, another one can come. That first yes was hard. I showed up in Oroville, California. Oroville, Oro is Spanish for gold. So I'm like, I'm, sitting, I'm going to Gold Town. <laughs> but it was a city completely marked by greed and selfishness. And greed and selfishness had turned into drug use and prostitution. This was, when I arrived, arrived in Southside Oroville, I thought this is the worst, the worst neighborhood I've ever seen. Every fifth or sixth house seemed to be half burnt down from a meth explosion. There were literally all day tweakers just walking in right by the house, mumbling, screaming at each other, gunshots on the regular on weekends. This place was scary, wasn't it, Ed? They didn't allow me to take a phone or I'd show you some pictures. Did you like how I didn't bring any slides or pictures? It's Mother's Day. I should have, Chuck, I should have put a picture of my mom up there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but inside of this, this neighborhood, was this church called the Father's House Church and a pastor named Steve Orsillo. And these people that I met there, their entire life was saying yes. I'm telling you, they, they showed me pictures of what the neighborhood looked like 20 years ago. And I, I always had a joke. I always said, if you ever get out to California and you get a chance to go to Oroville, don't. But the truth is, I really want to take some people there. I really want to take a team there. They host teams all the time, and uh, they call it their Project 61. And I'll, I could go into that another time, but um, this church, I mean, here's a pastor who was a construction worker, and he, he had to look at a property in Oroville, and he said, oh my gosh, I could never live in Oroville. And he told his wife, don't worry, we will never move to Oroville. It's horrible. And he gets to Oroville, and God says, you're going you're gonna to move here. And he says, oh man, you got to tell my wife. <laughs> and he calls his wife, and his wife answers the phone, and she says, um, I think we need to move to Oroville. And he's like, sweet, thank you, dude. <laughs> so, they, so they moved to Oroville, and they started this church where these people gave their lives away. Literally, I went there, and I, this was my regiment. Get up at 6 in the morning, pray, um, have a um, um, devotional, breakfast, chores, go to work. We worked in the church. I pulled weeds all day. I painted houses. It was over 100 degrees, 40 days last summer. And when we got out, we'd have dinner as a big group, and then we'd go to church, or we'd go to therapy. And then I'd go home, and I would do homework for an hour. Actually, I would do two hours of homework. And I got there. And I saw all these people and I thought these people are insane because you ask them, what do you do for rest? And they say, Jesus. And you say, when do you take a vacation? And they say, I'm on vacation, I'm with Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, seriously, guys, you don't make any money. No, none of you, none of you have any money. You're all here as interns. There's 61 people in full-time ministry in a church of 180 people. <laughs> these people were insane and amazing. And I showed up. And I was gonna, you know, I was gonna kill it. 
I mean, I said yes. I was going to go in. I was going to be the. I was going to be just this star rehab student. I was going to do more homework. I was going to work harder. I was going to get up earlier. And I did these things. And uh, I, I thought, you know, I'm 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 just going to be. I'm going to be so good. I'm going to be so much better than anyone's ever been in the, that's come for this, through this program. And, and they saw that. And they liked it so much, they gave me an extra 20 days of blackout. Instead of 30 days of no limited, no access, I got 50. And instead of an hour's worth of homework, they gave me two. Special homework from the pastor. They didn't see somebody that came in and was going to be this all-star rehab. They saw a broken man who thought he was hot stuff and thought he was better. And frankly, I realized what I looked like to them was a Pharisee. You You want to find out who Jesus was most mad at in the Bible? The Pharisees, those who had heard their whole life and didn't know and didn't believe. He said, you've heard this your whole life. What are you doing here? I was in a program with so many fatherless guys that had terrible drug addictions. And here I am, a son of a pastor, sharing a bunk bed with them. They were determined to break me. And I stayed in trouble. And I didn't know why. Because I was blind. I was so blind. Felt like, I felt like Bartimaeus some days. Some days I was like, Lord, if you could just heal me of this blindness, I believe you and I know you can. But some days I just, I just was completely blind. And they saw a brokenness that I couldn't find and they continued to break me. And I cried out to the Lord and I said, Lord, I don't understand I understand that I can't drink anymore and I understand that I'm supposed to be in this process and I can accept it, but I don't understand why I am the way that I am. And I prayed and I cried and I studied and I prayed and I cried and I studied and I worked tirelessly. You see, when when you've had it all your life and you don't have the ears to hear, you have to cry harder. You're not like the lost that just find Lord and then you get this great transformation when you're like me and you've had it your whole life. You have to really, really want it. I fought. And finally, finally I would get up even earlier and pray for an hour every day. And I fasted. I was, I'd already given up alcohol, tobacco, talking to girls, looking at the internet, knowing if the Red Sox had won or not. I'd given up everything and I still had more control to give up. I, st- I, I fasted every food that I liked. <laughs> and for 10 days I fasted one and then for 10 days I added another one and for 10 days I added another one and then I just stopped eating altogether. I said, Lord, if you don't speak to me, if you don't fix what's wrong with me, I won't live. One night I came into worship. I was hungry. I was literally hungry. I was spiritually hungry. And I was on the verge of just saying, okay, you're not going to talk to me. You're not going to tell me. 
And then what the Lord unpacked for me is so incredibly amazing and so hard to tell you. It took me all the way to when I was little. It took me to when I was a kid and I didn't stand up for myself. And he showed me that a lot of times when I got picked on, every kid gets picked on, but I wouldn't stand up for myself. And a lot of kids don't stand up for themselves, but I hated that about myself. And I hardened myself to myself. I didn't harden myself to others. I say it open to others, but I hardened myself to myself. And he showed me that. He showed me that in a worship starving. And he showed me where my tenderness that I hated so much about myself was what he loved about me. And that, as long as I had him, I could live on his strength. I already had it written on my arm. Steve has all these great sayings further up and farther in, convinced or con- convinced but not converted. I was convinced. I had a tattoo on my arm that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I didn't believe it. I mean, I, you know, I can recite it. I didn't believe it. And then he touched me and he renewed my mind. And this homework, this was garbage. This homework was garbage. It was Sunday school lessons from when I was 12 that I was rewriting. And then I started, and he said, no, you're going to, you get a zero for your homework. You're going to start all this homework again. And when my Bible came alive to me, the words of Jesus were no longer spoken to Pharisees. They were spoken to the Pharisee that I was. They were no longer good tips on living your life. It was the key to my freedom. See, I didn't have any self-worth and alcohol destroyed my self-worth. And I knew that I couldn't ever drink again. I had to find out why. Alcohol destroyed my self-worth. If I don't have self-worth, I cannot love myself. If I can't love myself, I can't love you and I can't love you or you and I can't love my son. And I don't think there's anything wrong with drinking, but me having another drink is telling my son, it's telling you, mom, that I don't love you. But my mind is renewed. My heart is renewed. I don't need it. And so finally, I left rehab and I left early. Um, You know, I kind of made a deal with the Lord. I said, I don't want this to take a long time, so if you want to make it hurt a little more, I can deal with that, because I'm pretty sure that you're either going to get patience or pain if you want some, if you want some revelation and some life change, and I chose pain. But I came home, and I said yes, and I started saying yes to everything, because I had a, I had a, new, I had a new heart. See... J the B, my man, goes on in verse 11 to say that there is someone, one who is coming, who is mightier than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He just said, if your tree bears no fruit, you get thrown into the fire. But if you get baptized in the Spirit, you become the fire. I got, I got thrown into the catching fire movement. John Arnott's movement had reached Orville, and they threw me into the catching fire movement. And I caught fire. I was so close to being irrelevant. I was so close. 
And so they threw me into the fire and I caught it. And now I am the fire. I am. Hang out with me. My old, (laughs) thank you. Hang out with me. My my heathen friends don't like to hang out with me because I don't even have to talk to them about Jesus. They get burned. (laughs) They just know. They know when they see me that, that I'm so different. And of course, what, then they ask me what I'm doing and I tell them all kinds of stuff and they're like, okay, yeah, well, good for you, buddy. We're gonna go over here. <laughs> and and I, can't, I can't take offense to that. I do sometimes. And if you guys want, I could just real quick preach the fourth installment on our series on offense <laughs> if you wanna keep going. <laughs> the truth is, guys, <laughs> I, I really, you know, this thing about offense does really, really hit strike with me because I want revival. And I, and I say, Dad, I say all the time, I say the key to revival is to live unoffended. If you can truly get hold of it, you can get revival. And you know what? The first thing John Arnott came and taught us about when he preached was not being offended. And I think that guy knows a little bit about revival. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, I have it right here in my notes, in my Jesus bag. But you want to... You want to, yeah, stop being offended. Just cut it out. Nobody can ruin your life. You gave your life away to Jesus. And I'm telling you to give your life away wherever you go. Nobody can ruin a life that you already gave away. Come on. You're not going to ruin Jesus' life. You can't ruin my life. I gave that life away. I don't, it's not mine. So give it a shot. Talk to him about it. I don't know. I'm not offended. I wish you'd still invite me to your party, but I'm not upset that you understand that I bring Jesus and he's not invited. <laughs> so, Anyway, I didn't mean to go on off on that tangent, I promise. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> uh, came home. Yeah, it still took a while. I mean, I still had to figure out how to practice these things that I had learned, you know. But, but Steve taught me to go further up and farther in. And when you get further up, go farther in. And when you get farther in, go further up. And the train's moving. And I'm going. And I'm saying Yes. And every time I say yes, the train goes. And, and uh, one of Steve's pastors, who I love, Ryan, Ryan got up and gave him a message, and he said, just say yes now and freak out about it later. I love that saying. I leave for Myanmar in three days. I'm going to go join Overland Ministries. I don't know anything about foreign missions. I don't have to. I said yes. I'm standing up here. I'm standing up here preaching to you guys. My dad asked me to preach. I said yes. Okay. Then I'll freak out about it later. On Asia on Thursday, I, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully somebody knows what they're doing. I'm just going to go. Somebody asked me where he's staying. I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, has to, Jesus has that figured out, I'm pretty sure. They told me what I needed to bring. I'll bring that. <laughs> I don't do these things. <laughs> I don't do these things because I'm, I'm qualified to do it, just because I'm called and because I'm willing to say yes. Colleen says I overcommit. She'll tell you, but... Because I I said no so many times, I don't want to say no anymore. I want to say yes. This is what yes will do for you. First thing yes will do for you will build your faith. You guys want to have stronger faith? Yeah. Yes. Want to have stronger faith? Just say yes to the Lord. Say yes and then just do it. and He'll figure it out. Man, my faith these days, oh man, I, I don't cry out to the Lord for help when I'm frustrated anymore. I could just quote scripture. 
I just say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I just say, I just say, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him with him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then sooner or later, whatever I'm frustrated about, I got past. I'll tell you one day, and I love that Matt, Matt Jackson, I love you're here. Because one day I'd worked three 13-hour days in a row. I swear to you, this is true. I worked three 13-hour days in a row, and I had no, no energy to work another 13-hour day. And I told my foreman the next day, I said, I got 10 hours in me. That's all I can do. I'm going to die. He said, okay, workday starts at 7. By 2 o'clock, I look up, and we're doing this job, and I'm like, holy smokes, man. This is going to take us like six hours. I'm going to work 13 hours today. And I looked at my foreman, and he, he's somewhat of a believer. You know, he's a good old boy, as you would say. <laughs> he, 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 he's, heard of the, he's heard of JC. But I tell him, I'm like, look, man, my Bible says that with the faith of a mustard seed, I can move that mountain up there. I can't work 13 hours, so I'm calling in a storm. <laughs> And then three hours later, three hours later, it was raining, it was windy, it was awful. I, we got the call from Matt Jackson. Matt called us and said, boys, get off the roof, you're going home. Ah, yeah. That's what saying yes will do for you. Yeah, I got home, I, clocked, I got back to the shop, the weather was perfect. The moment we pulled into the shop, it was a beautiful day. I clocked out at 10 hours on the dot. I said, I told you I was only working 10 hours. If I had to call in an act of God, I'm only working 10 hours today, man. It's a true story, man. I never told you that, that Jesus got me out of that day of work, man. Good Lord knows you weren't gonna let me go. Build your faith. Because Jesus comes through. If you say yes to him, he comes through. And then you figure it out and you realize, you realize that the next time he comes, you just say, yeah. You know, like I said, Colleen says I overcommit, and I do. Because I say yes to like more things than I can do. I do. I, uh, you know, my friend asked me to help, me, help him raise money for this charity and so for 10 weeks, I've been trying to raise money, and, and uh, we, did, we did a really good job. Um, we set an astronomical goal, fell way short of it. Um, but I don't carry the identity of a failure anymore. Come on. I don't live in the no. I don't say no. I said yes. I didn't reach that goal. Still raised a heck of a lot of money. I think we raised like $20,000 in 10 weeks. We raised money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and we're still going strong. We got like one week left, and, and uh, you know, we wanted to raise 100. We raised $20,000. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would look at you guys and say, what have you done? But you guys raised $100,000 for Heidi. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you understand. You're kind of preaching to the choir on that one. <laughs> but I say yes. I said I say, yes, you know, can I, run, can I run the welcome team? Yeah, I can run the welcome team. Well, guess what? None of you really are all that excited about helping me on the welcome team. I kind of have to drag you all kicking and screaming. <laughs> but I said, yes. I'm asking you guys, say yes with me. Say yes, this train's going. It's going further up and it's going farther in and it's going further up and it makes stops. But if you don't get on, it keeps going. 
make the stones cry out. That's what Jesus said. I'll make the stones do the work. I ain't losing my job to a stone. I'm saying yes. Yes. What else is saying yes? Saying yes, Mark, don't we always talk about living life with no limits? Saying yes means I no longer have limits. I'm capable of anything, or at least I'm going to try. And every time I fall short, it just means I learned something, and I'm going to do it better next time, and I'm going to go bigger, and I'm going to go harder, and I'm going to go. And I'm going to say yes. You want to go, Anthony? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Saying yes opens the mouth of God. Do you want to hear God speak to you? This is one of the favorite, my favorite books of all these books, and this book was my prayer journal. Someone said, Anthony, you know what you should do? You should start a prayer journal. So I said, yeah. <laughs> and I started writing down my prayers, and I wrote down what I was thankful for. And I just, you know, I said, Lord, I feel your presence in my bones and in my heart. I'm facing tremendous tribulation, and I am innocent, and, and I fear the consequences of my action but, that I face, but I'm unblameable before you, God. And I just started writing to him and writing to him. And I said, Lord, thank you for watching after me all these years. I rejected your truths for so long. I only hope to rejoin your flock as a son. You know what a son does? I'll tell you right now what a son does. A son says yes to his father without asking why. You want to be a son or a daughter? I do. When you're a true son, you say, yeah, dad. And you don't even ask why. You know what did you say a couple weeks ago? You might, I don't know. Sometimes the answer is, I don't know. Just say, yeah, okay, Lord. So I kept writing and I kept writing and finally someone said, have you ever written down what Jesus says back to you? And I was like, well, that's a novel idea. And I'm like, but this is my own journal. Nobody reads this for me, so can't really mess this up, right? <laughs> so I just started, I started writing. Lord, continue the work you began in me in California now that I'm home in New Mexico. I must remain humble and grateful. And the Lord spoke and said, let the people of New Life City be your guide. Let them teach you what I have taught them. Open your heart to the teachings of all my children. Remember that you shall live. And I write, and I'm, you're more than welcome. Anyone can read this if you ever want to read this. Pages and pages of the Lord speaking to me. If you don't know what to say yes to, start asking him. He'll talk to you. Write it down. Just write, and nobody has to read it but you. You can just write down whatever you think he said. You know, and you don't, and you didn't, you don't have to put it, bring it up here and tell it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that saving lives, or saving lives, the last thing that saying yes will do, and I promise you, I promise you this, if you say yes enough times, you will save somebody's life. Yes. You want to save somebody's life? Yes. I called my buddy Michael today, and he gave me permission to talk about him. I called my buddy Michael Baker. He's been in rehab for 82 days. And I call him every week, and he says, Anthony, the only reason I, not the only reason, but he says, Anthony, the main reason I'm still in here is because of you. Isn't that awesome? I said, Michael, I didn't do anything. He said, no, you just called me when no one else would and you kept coming. And when nobody else wanted to talk to me, you kept talking to me. And then you finally got me in, you know, I didn't get him in, but he, you, you pushed me into making this step to go to rehab. And then now since I've been here, nobody's called me but you, Anthony, you called me. 
So my best friends won't call me. But Anthony, you call me every week. You check up on me. Wasn't that hard? I didn't think I was doing much. I just said, yeah, okay. I said, you need some help? Yeah, yes. He said, Anthony, you saved my life. So I'll be home when you come back from, from uh, when, you get, when you come back from uh, uh, Asia, I'll be home from rehab and I want to come to your church. And I want to do the things that you do and I want to live a life of sobriety. If you don't know, if you can't find what to say yes to, it's because you're not looking. I went to rehab. You know what meth heads told me? They told me meth is everywhere. It's not hard to find. I said, I've never seen anyone selling meth. I don't know how to find it. They said, you don't look for it. <laughs> hmm, good point. <laughs> I went to Steve Carlson. I think Steve's watching the live stream. And went to Steve's house and he's moving firewood. And I said, where'd you get all this firewood? He said, just driving down the street. Saw people chopping down a tree and asked him if I could have some firewood. I said, Steve, you just see people chopping down a tree on the side of the street. That doesn't happen. He goes, no, it happens, Anthony. You'll see it. He said, I said, Steve, no. He said, I bet you this week, I bet you this week, you're going to see somebody cutting down a tree. I'm like, I live in the middle of the city. Everything I do is in the middle of the city. I'm not going to see some, whatever. I'm going to just move some more firewood. Steve, you're crazy. Thanks for praying for me. I don't know. And uh, two days later, I'm going to an AA meeting. And I look up at the old Baptist church, Del Norte Baptist church, and they're sawing down a tree on, on Montgomery and San Pedro. They're cutting this tree down. And I'm like, this is where Steve Carlson taught me Sunday school when I was in high school. (laughs) I went up and they gave me some firewood and I took it to Steve and I was like, you're right. And Steve said, you just never looked before. You weren't ever looking around for anybody cutting down a tree. They do it all the time. You don't know what to say yes to? Look around. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Look, if you need help, well, we post stuff and paper and give it to you at the door. We put it up on the wall. Come to Encounter Weekend. Come help me on the greeting team. There's really no qualifications except that you're willing to smile. And I'll teach you. I'll teach you how to just engage people. Man, that's a ministry I'm really passionate about, guys. I'm really passionate about being up at the front, having a team of people that want to get to know everybody that walks in the door. And I want to grow this church and I want to put people on fire and I care about building the ministry and I care about what we do here and I want people to come and I want people to feel like family. And all I need is for you guys to say yes. That's all I need. Done it like seven times tonight. <laughs> Doing ministry training. Ministry training is, I, I say this, I missed every single one because of some other thing I said yes to. <laughs> there, are, there are opportunities, so many opportunities. I, I just love this story, and it kind of relates, but when I was towards the end of my time in in rehab, um, we had a wedding, and my job was to pull weeds for the grounds to make the wedding look nice, and I don't know if you guys know anything about palm trees, but they're not trees, they're weeds, and they grow like hundreds of them, and you got to pick them off one by one, just one little sprout grows. But the pastor, Steve, Steve would always tell us, you guys don't know it, but you're saving lives. And it took months for me to figure out that 
you know, what we were doing that was a value. And so me and this guy were just sitting, man, hands and knees, and we're picking these palm trees, one little sprout at a time, for hours. And he looks at me, he says, he says, Anthony, this is, this is awful. This is the worst thing ever. I said, yeah, man, this is pretty, this is pretty royally bad. And he says, he said, now I don't think I can do this. And I looked at him, I said, okay, uh, you got two kids, right? He said, every weed, I said, well, okay, so I said, I said, I got a little boy, I'm in here because I want a better life and I want to be able to be a father. If my son's life depended on me pulling these weeds, I could pull weeds all day long. I could pull every weed in this whole neighborhood. I said, every weed that you pull, it just makes you more dependable, builds your character, makes you more trustworthy. These are all qualities that you need to see your children, to be a dad. These are the qualities that your children need. I said, this is what we do. We give our lives away. Because in order to save all their lives, we give our lives away. He said, Anthony, he said, man, what if I'm not ready to give my life away? And I said, the good news for you is all you got to do today is pull these weeds. I'm not asking for you guys to go to Asia with me. I'm not asking for you to evangelize the streets or prepare a sermon or start a church. I'm just asking you to look for somebody cutting down a tree. I'm asking you, pull some weeds. Find somebody you hadn't thought of in a while and write them a letter. Call them, invite them to church. Ask the Lord to give you a word. Stand up in front of there for 40 minutes before church and say hi to people and and genuinely try to find out who they are. It'll make a difference in your life. It'll make a difference in their life. Say yes. Say yes with me. Stand. Stand. My ministry team, can you come to the front? If you're on the ministry team, I want you to come and just stand up here with me. And frankly, if you say no, I'm I'm gonna start the sermon over again. (laughs) I don't know, I don't know what's going on with you guys, but I know, I know where I was a year ago. I know the letters that you sent me. I read the letters. You saved my life. I remember that I didn't have any strength of my own. I remember how broken I was. I remembered how a life of no had just just robbed everything that I was worth. And I'm telling you, with all my heart that I have lived a year's worth of yeses 
that my life is different and it's better and it has meaning and impact and I'm not going to be thrown into the fire. I pray all the time, Lord, find some fruitless tree and throw them into the fire and make me that fire. I want to be the fire you get thrown into. I want you to get a hold of what I've got. I'll give it to you. I freely received it and I'll freely give it. If you, if you have something holding you back, something's hindering you, if you feel like a failure, if you feel like you don't have your identity, come, come up and let one of these people pray for you. If you're looking for a place to say yes, come on now. If you're looking for someone, something to say yes to, come, come. If you're ready to just join me, come and pray for these guys. Today is not the day to sit and stand there and stare at me and say, wow, I'm so proud of him. Today is the day to step up and say yes. Say yes with me. I promise. If you don't want to come up here, then just look at the person next to you and bless them and tell them how much you love them and how happy you are that they're here. I know that I'm happy and I know that I'm so grateful.